You're listening to the Carterville Church Life Podcast. I love our church family, and I hope that you do too. Our goal is that the episodes of this podcast would keep us connected and focused while we're scattered for our week on missions together. I hope that you're blessed by what you hear today. Hey, church family, thank you so much for tuning in to the podcast today. You're going to be blessed. I have a guest. Carolyn Fairley was on the platform with me Sunday morning just to help share what it's like to follow the Good Shepherd through a dark, dark valley. She did a tremendous job with her testimony, and today she's going to share it with us on the podcast. I hope that you will buckle your seatbelt and listen respectfully as she shares with us what Jesus has done in her life over the last several years. Carolyn, thank you for making time to be on the podcast today. Thank you for having me. So probably some of our listeners don't know you, but you are a terrific delight. I love you. You are... you're a church member that I wish I could just clone you and have lots of you. You love Jesus. You serve so faithfully. It's just been a pleasure to walk with Jesus with you for 20 years. But it's been a pleasure, too, just to honor your journey and watch to see what God has done in your life. I'm, I'm impressed, and I love you. Thank you. Well, Carolyn, will you share your story with our podcast listeners? Yes, I will. Uh, my friend Sean Hampton has this saying that he shares constantly. You have a story to tell and God wants you to tell it. So this is my story. It was Groundhog Day, February the 2nd, 2015, a day in which our lives would be forever changed. Charles called me and said, Carolyn, listen to me. Immediately I knew something was wrong. He never called to me Carolyn. It was always George. He said, I am in the baptistry stairwell on the lady's side. I have lost complete control of one side of my body. Call the church office and tell them where I am. About three hours later, the doctors told us that he had a malignant brain tumor, and a day or so later, we were told that an operation was not advised. Doctors at John Hopkins Medical Center confirmed the diagnosis and recommended to the doctors here what type of treatment was needed. For 16 months, Charles was in and out of the cancer treatment center and had several stays in the hospital. He endured radiation and chemo treatments. I watched his body change in reaction to the steroids and chemo. We tried to stay upbeat, believing that God would heal him, only to come to the realization that his healing was not to be here in this world. This past Wednesday, we celebrated his sixth birthday in heaven. Grief is exhausting. Physically, we are fatigued. Mentally, we are spent. Weariness seems to cast a shadow over all of life. We drag through the days in a fog. We are without strength and without power. Isaiah forty twenty nine states, He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. God comes to us in the weariness and weakness of grief with gifts of strength and power. God does not shame us for our weakness. God does not reject us for being too weary to function. We may be tempted to refuse God's gifts either because we want to pull ourselves up by our own bootstraps or because we don't believe we are entitled to receive good gifts. But nevertheless, God offers us good gifts and seasons of grief. God offers strength and power. When we can admit our need and are ready to be honored by the giver of these gifts, they can be ours. As with a lot of people, my grieving started long before Charles passed. As I watched his body failing without realizing at the time, my grieving had begun. I caught myself thinking this could be his last birthday, his last Christmas, 
his last whatever here with us. The chair at the head of the table would one day be empty, but our family went on with each celebration we had with him, trying to make it a good celebration, hoping that we would succeed for all our sakes. After Charles passed away and I began to adjust to life without him, my new norm, I knew in my heart that Charles would not have wanted me to not be active. He would want me to live life as long as I could. He was always so good at volunteering me for different things. He believed that I could do anything. He thought if I would just make up my mind, I could do the anything he volunteered me to do. He never saw the weaknesses nor the inabilities that I saw. He believed in me when I wouldn't believe in myself. He was my biggest fan and he loved me and believed in me regardless. At any rate, I knew I needed a purpose to move forward with life, a serving purpose. Somehow a seed was planted. I was attending the Asbury Hospice House grief meetings. We were meeting the first Tuesday of each month and I remember thinking, is this something I could do? Could I lead a grief ministry? I knew that whatever God had planned for me to do, I would need to be brought out of my comfort zone. I was telling Ben about attending the meetings, and at that moment, he casually told me that if I ever thought this was something I felt I would be interested in doing, to let him know. He thought this was a ministry the church would be interested in supporting. There again, the thought came, is God calling me to start a grief ministry in our church? I began praying about the possibility of forming a group at Carterville seriously praying because this was really going to take me well out of my comfort zone. One night at Asbury, a man came to our meeting and shared his story. He had recently moved here from Seattle. He told us that Greek meetings in Seattle were held several times a week, but down here they are very few available at all. His younger brother was killed on Christmas Eve in a motorcycle accident. For eight years, he did not leave his house. He could not come to grips with the loss of his little brother. I did not sleep very well for thinking of his story and what he had said about meetings not being available here in our area. That night, I felt God telling me, Carolyn, now is the time. It was a very calm, peaceful feeling, and yet at the same time, I thought I was going to have a panic attack. Like Moses and Jonah, Gideon and Jeremiah, I doubted. I thought, surely, God, you are not calling me to start this ministry. Then I realized that's exactly what he hmm. was doing. I was scared out of my mind, but I prayed once again for God to take me out of my comfort zone. I was now willing to do whatever he wanted of me, and he did. I might add that if you sincerely pray for God to take you out of your comfort zone, all I can say is buckle up and hold on. <laughs> I went to see Ben the next morning and told him I thought I was ready to start a grief group here at CBC. Ben said, we've just been waiting on you. Some two weeks later, on February the 13th, 2017, we had our first meeting. I had to do a lot of praying before those meetings actually took place. As I've said before, I have a very difficult time of speaking before groups. It doesn't matter if they're huge groups or only two or three people. I just don't do well in leadership or speaking positions. Just the thought of it grips me with fear. For months I had been pleading and begging God to give me the courage to get out of my comfort zone. I wanted to serve, but just not in leadership roles and certainly not where I had to speak. But then, of course, God had his own plan. Most of us are happy to step up to the plate 
when the task is easy. But when the Lord draws us out of our comfort zone and into the unknown, we wrestle with his assignments. We may not feel worthy of God's call, but nevertheless, he makes us complete in every good work that aligns with his will and equips us with whatever is needed to carry out his divine purpose. Hebrews 13, 20, 21 states, Now may the God of peace who brought up our Lord Jesus from the dead, that great shepherd of the sheep through the blood of the everlasting covenant, make you complete in every good work to do his will, working in you what is well-pleasing in his sight. Through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. We too might doubt God's abilities, but by His Spirit we will be given exactly what we need at the exact time we need it. I constantly have to remind myself that God doesn't call the equipped. He equips the called. I cannot tell you how blessed I have been for being introduced to new people through this journey of grief. People sharing the same hurts that I have. We help each other carry our burdens. We have truly bonded and we spend a lot of time together laughing and crying. We share our happy memories and sometimes the sad ones crop up and we share those too. We get to discuss the pain of the week and how we handle those feelings. We have a place to come and share our feelings without worrying if someone won't understand or tell us we need to pull ourselves together. Together we have moved forward. We haven't moved on, nor have we put our loved ones in the past. We have learned to move forward through the painful journey of grief. We have learned to reach out to those who are just now stepping onto that path where we once took our first step. God has allowed me to move forward into his service through the loss of my Charles. Charles believed in me when I couldn't believe in myself. That I will forever cherish. God had a plan for me, and I am so thankful for the people he has brought in my life to love on and be loved by. You are my church family, and I am so grateful for how you were there for us during his illness. It is such a comfort to know the Bible is filled with stories of people that felt inadequate and lacked the abilities, and that God still used them. There was Moses, Gideon, Jonah, and Jeremiah. They all doubted. The disciples were ordinary people like you and me. They weren't the most highly educated, charismatic, or influential people of their day. They didn't hold the highest positions with the best pedigree or resumes filled with accomplishments and awards. Jesus called the ordinary and then did extraordinary things through them. I believe the Lord tells us to go where I want you to go, do what I want you to do, serve me, and I will do the rest. At every stage of my journey with Jesus, he asked me to take on assignments for which I have felt inadequate. And I'm sorry to say there have been times I let fear take over. I didn't believe he could use me. I didn't trust him enough to do what he said he would do. I kept crying out for God to make me confident and strong so that I could tackle any challenge and wouldn't experience the grip of fear or anxiety. He has at times answered my prayers in the most surprising ways. He gave me what I needed when I needed it, but not before. He gave me what I needed at each stage, but I didn't necessarily feel stronger or more confident. What I didn't realize then, but I know now, is that my strength and confidence are in Him and not in myself. I have learned that I am dependent upon the Lord moment by moment to give me what I need and to equip me to do what He calls. Romans 9, 11, and 12 says, God chooses people according to His own purposes. He calls people, but not according to their good or bad works. 
Hebrews 13, Paul's final greeting, he offers this blessing. Now may the God of peace, who brought back from the dead our Lord Jesus, equip you with everything good for doing his will, everything you need for accomplishing his will. God is my good shepherd, and what I have learned from following him is that I first must be willing to surrender myself to his will. Jesus said that he loves the Father, and he does exactly what the Father says. We must follow his example. We must allow him to work in us and equip us. We must believe that he will do what he says. We must cooperate with him, believe him, listen to him, obey him, follow his instructions. We don't have to do these things in our own strength. We are following our good shepherd. He works within us by his spirit. His is the power. He raised Jesus from the dead. His will starts with him, and he is working within us to bring it to completion. I have also learned that it's not about me. It's not about the gripping fear that Satan plants in my heart. It's all about the one who works within us, doing what is pleasing to him. My desire today is to live life while I can, serving others while pleasing God. Carolyn Fairley, I love you. Thank you for sharing that. You put a lot of time into that. You did a great job really organizing that and putting your thoughts on paper. I appreciate you working so hard well, on it. Thank you. I, I, it was something I had needed to do for a long time. So, Carolyn, one of the things that I'm learning as I go through my journey as a pastor and just as a person is that everybody in our church family, at some point and to some degree, is going to walk the path of grief. Some of us on a tremendous scale, others on a different scale, but we're all going to walk through the valley of the shadow at some point. Yes. I love that you've reminded us that God can lead us through that journey. You know, and for me to watch what he's done in your life and how much he's done, how faithful and good he's been, it's a blessing. Um, my friend Ron McLean tells people all the time, God won't waste your pain. And I want to say that I'm really proud of you. I'm proud of what you've done on your journey following Jesus, even through the valley of the shadow of death. Thanks for being a part of the podcast today. Thank you. Church family, I know that this podcast episode will have been useful to a lot of you. And I want to ask you to do this. If there's somebody in your world that needs comfort, needs to be reminded that God can lead them through this, would you share this episode of the podcast with them so that they can hear a good word? God bless you.